0: Epiphany comes early this year in the liturgical calendar for the ordinary form. Its fixed day is January 6th in the old Latin Rite calendar. As the Gospel reminded us, this is that nearly fabulous day on which the prodigious star made its appearance in Bethlehem, this being the mere sign of that true star, the light from the light, the infant Son of God Himself. In our country, we have the custom of gift-giving on Christmas Day. This is representational of the gift of God in the birth of Jesus. We reciprocate, so to speak, the divine generosity, by being generous to others in kind. In other countries, Christmas is not the day for gifts, but is reserved for today's Epiphany feast. And here the symbolism is made even clearer since the Magi were bearers of gifts for the Christ child. There's a long and rich oratorical tradition of assigning symbolical meanings to the three gifts mentioned in the gospel, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They're usually regarded as indicators of the offices of Christ, his royal dignity, hence the gold, the incense being offered to him as a recognition of his divinity, and the myrrh, which is a kind of ointment used for embalming as a forecast of his redeeming death. But I'd like to depart from this interpretation this year in my meditation on these gifts and speculate on another significance they may have for us. I'm thinking here of the obvious fact that the gifts we offer to others not only please their receivers, but in some sense also represent their givers. There's a rightness about that since we should give from ourselves whatever things we ourselves hold dear. A gift that's estimated as worthless thing hardly can be said to be a gift worthy of the name. We must give what is truly valued. Otherwise, the gift would be pointless and without sincerity. Here I would like to propose that the gold, frankincense, and myrrh not only refer to aspects of Christ's rightful offices, but that they are meant also to represent ourselves, the bearers of these gifts, As I said, when we make the offering of a gift, we speak not only to the taste and hope for satisfaction of the receiver of the gift, but we also tell much about ourselves, our gifts being representations of our own values and likes. Thus, the gold may be taken to stand for our material possessions, or our wealth, if that be the case. Giving the Lord our best, making our tithe to him in material terms, is a way not only of supporting the church and our other charities, but of expressing the truth that the Lord is the possessor of all things in the first place, and that we owe him gratitude for all our material and spiritual benefits. People of good faith have always shown generosity to God for his benefits in giving back to him some of their possessions, even the very choicest of them. Here the gold, that most precious mineral, takes on its rightful significance one ought not to repay God for all his largesse with a meager, stingy gift of little value even to ourselves. We give to him what costs us, even dearly so. Think, for example, of the widow's mite, that smallest gift, which represented all that poor woman had to live on, given to the temple treasury. Our Lord highly commended her for this. None of the beauty of our churches, none of the church's missionary and charitable works towards the poor would be possible apart from this kind of gift, the alms, which, as our Lord said, would cover a multitude of sins. Frankincense is a thing properly used for divine worship. Its sweet aroma carries the meaning of the acceptability of our prayers and adoration when they are clean oblations, which is to say rightly motivated and coming from the heart. God loves this recognition of his supremacy And by means of it, the worshiper is rewarded with a greater familiarity, a deeper intimacy with God. Worshiping God as he ought to be through the mass, the sacraments, and the countless prayers which the pious faithful have always undertaken is a preparation here below of the activity we hope to participate in for eternity. When we are in a state of grace, our prayers are truly an acceptable offering, pleasing to God and meritorious for ourselves. It's no wonder that they should be regarded as a fragrant incense for God's enjoyment. Myrrh taken as a reference to ourselves, can only refer to the double sense of death which spiritual writers have always admonished us to keep before our minds, not only our inevitable mortality and the all crucial necessity of dying in a state of grace to be saved, but also in the ascetical sense of the indispensable mortification or moderation of our pleasures, our desires, our wants, and our affections in order to be able to lead a spiritual life at all. One might wish to get along without this mirror of our faith, but it cannot be supplanted by anything else. Unless you do penance, you will perish This is the stern admonition of Christ himself. When we voluntarily clip our urges, our hungers, and cravings, we thereby inflict a little pain on our self-loving selves, not for its own sake, which would be masochism, but for the sake of gaining liberty from the tyranny of the senses which make rebels out of us and cause us so much misery. And so this seemingly odd kind of gift of the myrrh is in reality a pleasure to God who sees in it what we often fail to see in it, that discipline which disposes us to be obedient God's commandments. This Epiphany Day, then, I ask you to think of what gifts you may make to the Lord to measure the generosity of your hearts and to see what you should do to emulate the lavish generosity of the Magi. Although they gave much, they were rewarded so much more in return. One cannot give to the Lord from one's material possessions or offer one's prayers or penalize one's erring desires without benefiting greatly in that proverbial hundredfold return. Epiphany is about this twofold generosity our gifts offer to God, and his far more abundant returns."